grandkids yet, that's going to be the nursery. And if it's a little girl, I'm turning it into a secret garden. And if it's a little boy, it's going to be a Peter Pan 4. So, I mean, I had this picture in my mind. Now, now here, here's what's the reality. And those of you who have moved, you understand this. Sometimes when you have a box and you don't know what to do with it, what do you do? You stick it in the room. And so, and, and so you know, I put a box in there. Maybe there was something and it's like, oh, I need to do something with this. I don't quite know what to do with it. And what did I do? I stuck it in the room. So now, here is my reality is Claire's here. And she is going to come see me soon. And she is not going to have a nursery because I have not a nursery but a junk room. And it is like, well, actually, it's not anymore. But it was looking pretty rough. So I don't know why, but Saturday morning, I just decided I was going to do something about it. I was a woman on a mission. And so my husband was not planning on helping me to clean out that closet or bedroom or whatever it is that day. But I enlisted. I, one, I shared with him my vision. I have a vision of a secret garden. Won't that room be beautiful? We've got the bed. We've got, and so I cast vision. I enlisted his help. He was a little reluctant, but he did help me. And, and I said, let's just work on it for one hour. Let's see how far we can get in one hour. And the thing, the good thing was, was I knew we would do more. But anyway, but we spent most of the afternoon, one huge truckload went to Goodwill, and my room is almost ready. So you know that experience probably where you, something, you know, you got something going on, and all of a sudden you get it in your head, I am going to get her done. So for some of you, I know that we just finished up prom season. Maybe it was your senior year of high school, and you said, you know, this year I want the perfect prom dress. You were on a mission to get the perfect prom dress. You enlisted your mom. You enlisted your sisters. You enlisted your girlfriends because you were a woman on a mission. Uh, maybe you play sports, and you know what it's like. Maybe it's the final playoffs, or it's the state championship, or it was some big game that had significance, and it was important. I know that the Make and Mayhem are having that experience right now. I know that Tuesday uh, is the big playoffs. So they are a team with focus, with mission. Uh, maybe some of you have had a project at work that you worked on with your team, and, and it was important, and you cared about it, you were passionate about it, and y'all pulled together as a team. And that sense of, of, of relief, excitement, when you get to the end of the project, and it, and it went really, really great. I know some of you have served in our military, and you know what it's like to be on a mission. When the stakes are very high, when the stakes are life and death, when the stakes are impacting the balance of freedom in our world today, you know what it is to be on a mission. When you have focus like that, when you have a mission, I want you to think about what happens to you internally. What are some of the emotions? What, what, does, it what does your life look like? Here's what I know is that when a person has a clear focus, they have a clear mission, when they have passion around that, 
there is this energy that you have. I mean, time can seem like it just flies by. It goes quickly fast, quickly by. You become to prioritize what you're going to do. As I was going through these boxes, I pulled up this one box, and it had several of my old journals in it. And so all of a sudden, I thought, oh, let's go take a little trip down memory lane. And I read a few pages, and the next thing I knew, 15 minutes had gone by, and I said, no. You will not get this room done if you just all of a sudden, you know, start going down memory lane and reading your, your journals. It gives you focus. It gives you passion. It gives you energy. And you also typically are working with others to accomplish the goal. What happens when you don't have a focus, when you don't have a purpose, when you don't feel like you've got that kind of mission? I don't know about y'all, but I feel, I feel sometimes I feel bored. It feels like I'm going through the routine, like I'm getting up and I'm just doing the same thing every day, and I just don't have this energy. It's easy to let things that are, you know, maybe I watch a little too much TV because it's like, eh, nothing's going on today. I don't have that fire in my belly. The disciples, they had a mission. Um, and I think that today, I want us to look at the disciples of Jesus Christ, the, the post-Easter, uh, those who were sent on a mission by Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at their story, and I want us to look in particularly at one event that Luke tells us about in the book of Acts, because I think their story gives so much insight into who we are and what we are doing today here at Martha Bowman, and how we are living into what God has called us to do. So, before I jump into the book of Acts, I want to give us just a little bit of a recap. So, during Lent, we focused on the, the words of Christ as he hung there on the cross, and what a beautiful, beautiful season that was. We looked at the meaning of the cross. We talked about how as Jesus hung there, he, he declared, he said, it is finished. He paid our, the penalty for sin. He broke the power of sin. We can now be new creatures in Christ Jesus. We, we talked about what happened on the cross. Easter, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remembered the day that Mary and the disciples came to the tomb and, and the angel said, you know, why are you looking for Jesus here? This is my translation. He is not dead, but he is alive. He has risen from the dead. So the disciples, they, they see Jesus, he comes, he appears to them. The scriptures tell us that, 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 that Jesus gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, that Thomas was able to touch the hole where his hands, where the nails had been. Thomas was able to put his hand where, where the spear had gone into Jesus' side. Jesus is with his disciples. And then he takes them. And Matthew, one of, one of the disciples, Matthew writes about this. Others do too, but I, I like Matthew's version. It really resonates with my heart. It says that Jesus took them up to a mountain, and he told them a couple of really important things. He said, here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to make disciples disciples. A new community was forming. 
Uh, an ecclesia is the Greek word for church. But ecclesia doesn't mean a building. Ecclesia means a called out group of people, a community. They were a community, a band of brothers, if you will. And Jesus gave them very clear instructions. Go and make disciples. I love that. My, my mission was nursery for Claire. You know, a mission statement, if it's good, you can say it in a very short, just a few words. But it's very clear what we're doing. So what did the disciples do? They had the mission. They had their task. We see that they gathered together. And the book of Acts begins to, it's Luke's, almost a, a traveling journal. Luke, uh, who was a physician, he writes about what happened after the ascension. It's what we, after Jesus went up into heaven, he writes about these events. And what we know is that as they were gathered together, the disciples, and not just the, you know, we talk about the 12 disciples that followed Jesus, but many others were gathering, and they are known as disciples as well, and they were gathering, and they were praying, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they began to speak in other languages, the crowd gathers, Peter preaches. If you're not familiar with the story, let me encourage you to read it. It's so powerful, Acts 1 and 2. But the power of God is poured out, the Holy Spirit, and Peter stands up and preaches. And Luke tells us that over 3,000 came to faith that day. Over 3,000. They had a revival, as we call it. There was this outpouring, and this little band as they began to live into that mission, go into all the world, make disciples, they began to see exponential growth. The next Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, as you're reading the story, you see they're going out, they're preaching, they're talking about the resurrection. We see miracles, we see healings, we see all kinds of tremendous growth, and people are being impacted. And then... We get to chapter 6, Acts 6, and the church begins to experience growth pains. And here is what has happened. They are beginning to now organize. They are beginning to have systems, if you will. And this event has occurred where you have widows, and they are from two different areas. I guess some are the Hellenistic widows, and some are the Hebrew widows. Hellenistic simply means Greek. You had two cultures colliding, and what was happening is they had a plan to feed the widows, but some of the widows were being neglected, and they had a problem. And they said, what are we going to do? So let's catch up here with our first scripture, and I'm going to put it up here. And it says, so the 12 gathered. I don't think they have a confidence monitor back there. I don't think I can read it. It says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So here you've got the apostles, they're out preaching, they're out doing miracles. But here's what they understood, is that's not the only thing that the church needs to be doing. The church also needs to be making sure that these widows are taken care of. And so they pulled them together, and what they were saying was, we have a job, but there are other jobs that are just as critical to the mission that needs to be done. 
And so this is what they told them to do. They said, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, what I like was they felt that this responsibility to what to serve the widows was so important that not just anyone could do it. They, this wasn't like the, the, you know, okay, let's get somebody who can't do anything else. They said, no, we want people who are full of the spirit and wisdom. And they gave a, like a ministry responsibility. They said, basically the way we would say it is, create a ministry team to make sure that we are taking care of the widows because that is a part of the mission of what we've been called to do. So they presented these men to the apostles. And I want you all to catch this. Realize what they've been asked to do. They've been asked to wait on tables. They've been asked to feed widows. And it says they presented these men to the apostles. And here's what the apostles did. They prayed and they laid hands on them and they commissioned them to that work. But wait, 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 that's not the holy stuff. Why would you need to lay hands and commission someone to just wait on tables? I thought the preaching and the teaching and the praying, isn't that the holy work? Are you saying this is holy work as well? Now, let's think about what we do every week here at Martha Bowman. Our mission, we are continuing the mission that Jesus gave to his disciples over 2,000 years ago because we are now a continuation. Our mission is the exact same. Go into all the world and make disciples. Have you ever thought about the, the bulletins that you have in your seat right now? That we have bulletins. Somebody came up to the church, made copies, folded those so that you could follow along, so you could know about what we're doing this week. Somebody greeted folks at the front door as you were hopefully arriving. As hopefully somebody was there at the front door greeting you. Somebody is holding babies over in the nursery. Well, that's not the holy stuff, Fran. But you know what? It really is. It's all the holy stuff. It's all the holy stuff because as we come together as a community of faith, as an ecclesia, as the called out people of God, and as each one of us live into these God-given tasks, then Jesus Christ is available and he is present with us. He is empowering us to further his mission in the world today. It is all holy stuff, every single bit of it. So they presented these men to the apostles. They prayed. They laid their hands on them. And here is what happened next. I think that if I were writing this, if I were going to be in staff meeting on Monday morning and I had just gotten a team in place, I had just launched the widow feeding team and I was pretty excited and we were in staff and I would tell Tim Steffen, I would say, hey, I got my team together, the widows are being fed, I recruited 20 people, we prayed, we commissioned them, we are good. That's what I would have said. But this is not how Luke reports 
on this event. Luke says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Did y'all hear that? I don't want you to miss it. What what does Luke tell us there? The first thing he says is, the word of God spread. What you're saying, Luke, is that when these men and women began to make sure that the, that the widows were being fed, that that was connected to the mission, that the word of God spread, and we were an integral part of that? That's right. That's what I'm saying. The number of disciples increased. The number of disciples in Jerusalem, it increased rapidly. The church was growing. The church was growing. And all were engaged in the mission of going into all the world and making disciples. I had the sweetest experience this week that I want to tell you about. I've got some dear, dear friends who used to be members at Martha Bowman back years and years ago. And um, they were, their, their, their child was in the youth group, and now they're grandparents, and they are not living in this area somewhere else. But anyway, they came by the church. I got to spend some time with them, and I said, hey, I said, y'all want to walk around the church? I know this was such a big part of your life for so many years. And they said, absolutely. So we were walking around in the commons and different places. And then I said, do you want to go to the historic sanctuary? And they said, yeah, absolutely. And this was the sweetest moment. I wish y'all could have been with me. But we walked into the back of the historic sanctuary, and there on the pew, so as I'm facing the altar, there to the left, the next to last pew, both the husband and wife just went over, and, and they touched the pew, and they looked at each other. And, uh, and the wife said, this was our pew. And he said, yeah, this is where we would sit. And then, and then they looked at me, and they kind of smiled, and they said, yeah, we would come. Because the reason they came to Martha Bowman um, was because their daughter had started going to the youth group. They had not been in church for many years. And uh, but anyway, they said, well, she's going to church. We need to come. But, but they said, we sat on this back pew week after week after week, and the Holy Spirit baptized us week after week. And, and I thought, the Holy Spirit baptized you. I kind of I didn't get what they were saying, and I thought, you were baptized. And, uh, and then they laughed, and, um, and she said, yeah. She said, my husband said he would sweat, and I would cry. And they said, we just didn't know what it was. But every week, you know, he would sweat, and I would cry. He would sweat, and I would cry. And they said, God was getting a hold of our lives. And from that, they began to step into ministry here at Martha Bowman got involved with the youth ministry, got involved in the music ministry. And right now, the wife has been serving for many years uh, in full-time Christian ministry, and her husband uh, full-time with his job, but then doing part-time on the church staff. And as I thought about their story, I kind of stepped back this weekend, and I said, God, how did that happen? So how did that happen that there's this young couple Teenager, you know, teenage parents. I mean, they're not teenagers. They have parents of teenagers. A teenager. That your presence, I know, kind of get off. But, but your presence was so real and so powerful. It didn't sound like it was the preaching. It didn't sound like it was the music. But you were baptizing them, calling them to yourself. 
And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, I know that during that season of the church, the prayer ministry was an integral, as it is today, that there was a tremendous amount of prayer undergirding the ministries of Martha Bowman. This weekend, we lost one of those prayer warriors. Cecil Kennedy, many of you might know him. He went home this weekend to be with Jesus. But I know that Cecil, for years and years and years, has been an integral part of the prayer ministry here at Martha Bowman, has undergirded this church, prayed for revival, prayed for people to come to know Christ. And I think that young couple and many others were a product of that ministry. I think about the day that they came on the campus. Did somebody welcome them and greet them and make sure that they knew where to find that pew that they sat on where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I think about the ushers. I think about the choir. I think about all the pieces working together in harmony and concert and conjunction so that this young family could encounter Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we do when we're on mission, when we're on point, when we're all working together. There's focus. There's energy. We are a part of a team. The next, the next part of that verse there, and I don't want us to miss it here, it says that a large number of priests came to faith as well. These were some of the hardest people to reach. Some of those who were probably who had been some of the most antagonistic towards Jesus, and yet that hard shell had been broken as the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the church, engaged in ministry together to be on point with a mission to go into all the world and to make disciples of all the nations. So, the question for us is, that's great, okay, what, how, do we, how do we put this into practice? Because I think all scripture needs to be, be practical. We have a scripture here, and it said, the Paul is writing, let me give you a little heads up about this. Paul now, y'all know the Apostle Paul, we're moving into the book of Ephesians. He is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to them about what does it mean to be the church. And he writes this. He says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. And then he has this really, really powerful statement. And he says, for we, oops, he went too far. He said, for we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, which created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every single one of us, I don't know if you heard it, every single one of us, we have been created by God, we have been created for his glory, and we have good works, special works that we have been divinely called to and able to do to work in conjunction with other believers so that we might further the mission of Jesus in the world today. I don't know about y'all, but that makes me just pretty excited because as much fun as getting Claire's bedroom was this weekend, there's nothing like being a part of what God is doing in the world today. Now, here's another question, and I'm going to not dig into this too deeply, but I want to give you a teaser for what we're going to be doing uh, the next couple of weeks. 
Do you ever ask the question, okay, well, that's great, Fran. I mean, that's fine. You've been to seminary. You felt this divine call. I really don't necessarily feel, I mean, what, what is it that I'm to do? What is it that God might be calling me to do? And that's one of the things that we're going to be drilling down into in the next couple of weeks. But I want to give you something just to kind of get you thinking as a teaser. So, whoops. Ah, sorry. I'm going to go back. All right. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the monitor back there and back, back, back behind me is changing. But anyway, first question is, ask yourself, what brings me joy? What's something that just, it brings you joy. It's something that brings you happiness. When you do this particular activity, maybe it's when you teach. Maybe it's when you offer compassion. Maybe it's, I don't know, but what is it that it lights your, your heart? Uh, I was telling uh, somebody today during the Sunday school hour, I said, yeah, I used to have a lot of things that bring me joy. Now really one thing brings me joy, Claire. So I think my grand purpose in life now is to be Claire's grandmother. But, uh, but that brings me so much joy. And that is a part of what God has called me to do in this next season in my life is being your grandmother. What brings you joy? What do you have passion around? What do you care deeply about? The second question is, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my skill sets? And we're going to be drilling into this. We're going to actually talk about what are the spiritual gifts that are listed in the New Testament. What, you know, they've got the gift of leadership, the gift of administration, the gift of, of, of mercy. It's not just all about preaching and singing. There are many other things that we are divinely gifted to do. And then the last one is, what are the needs? What are the needs? What are just the things that need to get done? I have a, a, some good friends, um, and we were all in a community group together. This is a few, several, several years ago. And I had just started working as the children's coordinator at the church that I was serving. And we had a Saturday night service. Now, let me just tell you, it is hard to get volunteers to come out on a Saturday night and work in children's ministry. So everybody in my community group, let me just tell you, every week I was like, okay, Sandra, don't you really want to come work in Kids Town for me because, or with me, you know, on Saturday nights? So I was, I was constantly, constantly begging them, begging them, begging them, which is probably not the best way to get, I mean, I didn't really care if they were good with kids or not. I just needed warm adult bodies in the room, and that is reality. So anyway, my three friends, not because they love kids, but because they were tired of me nagging them, they, um, they said, okay, Fran, we'll serve. And I had them on, there was this circle carpet, round circle carpet, and that's where our small groups met. And so I had them with third grade girls every Saturday night as small group leaders. Okay, so about two months into this, they come back to me and they said, Fran, we love you. We don't like children. <laughs> we love you, but we really don't love doing this. And then Sandra said something interesting. She said, however, she said, 
I don't mean to say this like I'm bragging. She said, but I'm a good leader. She said, I'm a good problem solver. I'm a good team lead. I can manage people. She said, what if I ran that service for you on Saturday nights? And I was like, that would be awesome. She said, I'll get your volunteers. If there's a sub, I'll take care of it. I'll make sure we've got all the materials in place. If there's a crisis, I'll handle it. And she said, but I would really love to do that. And here's what she said, because I believe in the mission. And I was like, that is awesome. So then my other friend who told me, yeah, I really don't love third grade girls too much. She said, but, she said, but I do love people. She said, what if I stand in the hall and I greet the families as they're coming to drop off their kids? And I was like, that would be awesome. You can do that. And then my other friend, she said, yeah, I really don't care for kids too much. She said, but I'm really good at technology and I believe in the mission and making disciples and introducing these kids to Christ. She said, what if I run your tech? Do you see how that works? They stepped into ministry, understood what the needs are, saw the opportunity, and then that's when they began to find that special place where they could plug into the bigger picture of making disciples of children, which played into making disciples for Jesus, as he's given us in the Great Commandment, I mean the Great Commission. So today, I don't know where you are in your journey. I think for some of you, you're sitting on the sidelines. You come to church, you love the worship, you love the preaching, and that's all you're doing. And if that's all you're doing, you are missing out on one of the greatest opportunities to plug in to the Great Commission and what Jesus is doing in the earth today. For some of you, you've been doing the same job for a lot of years, and you do it well, but it's become rote, you're tired, you're bored, it becomes routine. It might be time for you to take it up a notch to say, hey, I think I'd like to try something different, something new. I want to, you know, maybe that's where you are. Maybe where you are is you are volunteering, you're doing something in ministry, you love it, and you don't want to stop. And you've been doing it for a long time, and you're good, and it really lights your fire. And my challenge to you would be, is there someone you could bring alongside to do it with you? Is there someone you could bring alongside to mentor, to apprentice, to train, to disciple, so that they might actually be able to grow as disciples themselves? Think about this, and as we close, um, in just a minute, the band's going to come. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and we are going to take the offering. And we put it at the end because I wanted to give you an opportunity to do something. In your bulletins, you have your communication card. And on that communication card, there's a place for prayer requests. If you, out of listening to today's message, if you said, Fran, I'm on the sidelines, I really want someone to pray with me. I want the church praying with me because during this series, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, show me how I have been uniquely gifted to plug into the mission of, of the Great Commission, the mission of making disciples and going into all the world. Maybe you're that person who's a little bored. You're a little, it's like you've kind of lost your passion. You've lost your energy, your servant, but it doesn't feel like it's the right fit anymore. And you want us to be praying with you. Help me to find that right place where my soul is on fire again for the, for the mission of what Jesus has called us to do. Or maybe you're at that place where it's time for you to disciple somebody. It's time for you to serve as an apprentice, to teach someone else to do what you do. If any of those categories fit you and you would like for us to be in prayer with you, just write your name. You don't have to write your, you, know, you can just write your first name if you want to write your last name. And I pray that as the offering baskets come by, put that in there as your commitment of faith to Jesus that we're going to say, Lord, we're ready. 
We want to go. We want to go into all the worlds. We want to make disciples. We want to be on point. We want to be on mission. We want to all be in this together. And, and that Mark tells us that when they did that, when they went out and they preached, they said the Lord worked with them with signs and wonders and miracles following. That's the same Jesus that we serve today. His heart still breaks for the lost. He still cares for the widow. He cares for the orphan. And we get to be a part of his ministry and what he's doing in Macon, Georgia. And it's not the most awesome thing in the world. Let's pray.